If you would open your Bibles to uh, Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. The title of our consideration this morning is Believer, You Are Blessed. And uh, we just heard the song played for us. Uh, We are so blessed by the gift of God's love. Would you notice with me Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, believers, with every spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And then he goes on and he describes in Ephesians 1 how we are blessed. Uh, I'd like us to think about this morning the fact that we are blessed people, very much blessed. In fact, we are blessed so much that we in turn are able to bless others and we're going to see how we do this okay together Uh, probably you have heard or been in a place where someone sneezes and someone says god bless you now that could be said out of sincerity okay i'm not going to underestimate sometimes they say it just kiddingly you know god bless you and three or four say at the same time they get a good laugh together okay But the Bible tells us that we have a unique ability to bless others, to actually communicate with the Lord in a way that we're asking God to bring his goodness and his favor upon someone else. And I think this concept is worth our our time this morning. Um, We are also going to look at the passage of Scripture which was read for us in Numbers chapter 6 which I'm going to call, and you're going to say, where in the world is he getting this from? Uh, Number six, I'm going to call the icing on the cake. Where in the world is he getting that from? Can't be adding the Bible. And then, but Hebrews chapter 13 that we'll be looking at is the cake. It's going to be a blessing, a benediction, which is given to us. Asking God to work in our lives and bring to us his favor. This subject is so very, very interesting. Now, when you think of the concept of blessing and cursing, we're talking about serious things. I'm going to talk about the negative thing first. You and I know that there are multitudes of people in our world today who um, have a very poor relationship with others, in fact, who have such a bad relationship with others uh, that they... Sometimes we'll use bad words to someone else and actually think bad thoughts about someone else and actually if they could do it in some places it's done, could curse or call a curse upon someone else. There are many places in our world today that are very dark spiritually. If you go on the Internet, you can look at... um, Uh, locations, religions where curses are given. And this is bad. This is really bad. Um, One of the countries, and I'm going to just mention it, uh, I knew missionaries who served for 25, 30 years in Haiti, a very difficult place to serve the Lord. And uh, in the animism there and the uh, various religions that are there, they actually do put curses on one another in that location. 
And that's serious business, and I'll show you why in just a moment. Uh, to curse is to call down evil or injury upon someone or something. And in paganism, it means to ask the gods magically to cause injury or harm to someone else. Now, in our minds and thinking right now, we're saying that's awful that people would do that. But it is done. It is done. And um, uh, a, a curse uh, is um, not only expressing a desire to harm or to damage someone, but was actually believed to have a destructive power. In other words, those who do not worship the true and living God, who worship false gods, really want their false gods to bring harm or damage to someone else. And, you know, we say, we, listen, we're, we're not interested in that type of thing, and we're sorry that t- type of thing happens. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 19 and 20. If you want to keep your hand in Ephesians 1 or go over to 1 Corinthians 10, I'd like you to see this. This, this passage of Scripture reminds me uh, of the fact that, yes, there are false gods and false religions, and uh, some cultures and some religions have multitudes of false gods. Hinduism has multiplied thousands of false gods, and um, sacrifices are offered to them. Uh, things are done to please these false gods. But please keep in mind, you would say, well, you know, some of them worship statues that are carved out of wood or stone, and they're not really anything. But the problem is, behind every idol and statue and false gods, there may well be a demon. Look with me, please, at 1 Corinthians 10, 19, and 20. What am I saying then? That an idol is anything? Or what is offered to idols is anything? Verse 20. Rather that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. You see, there was a real issue in the, in the early church. Uh, there were those who would buy meat in the marketplace and some of them would say, well, I'm, I'm not going to buy that meat because that meat at one time was offered to a pagan idol. And I, I just don't want any involvement with them. And, and so the apostle says, you know, you need discernment. Uh, some believers say, oh, it's just, it's just an idol. And that mean, but there were others who say, you know, it really bothers me to buy meat that was offered unto idols. Now, forget that issue as such, but keep in mind the fact that behind idolatry is more often than not demonic worship. And the apostle is saying, be very, very careful as believers what you involve yourself with. Now, that's cursing. Now, blessing, uh, we we say that blessing involves speaking or doing good uh, to someone else or desiring good come upon the life of someone else. And the Bible is very clear that God is the ultimate source of blessing. And so when you say to someone, may the Lord bless you, oh, don't underestimate that. You want God to show his blessing. We'll show you how this is involved in just a few minutes. You want God to bless the life of someone else. And as believers, we have that tremendous privilege to be able to talk to our God 
the true and living God who created our world, who has blessed us tremendously, we desire his blessing upon our family, upon our friends, and maybe even people we work with. It's amazing how God can use us for his glory. In Deuteronomy chapter 11, the Lord said to the people of Israel, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you obey the commands of the Lord your God, I am giving you today, but a curse if you disobey. Now that's strong. The Lord is saying to the people of Israel, if you follow my word, if you love me, if you worship me, I'm going to bless you. But if you start wandering off into false gods and false religions, very difficult things will happen in your life and experience. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, the Lord said, I have given you my commandments and my statutes and my ordinances for your good. Now, don't miss that. The Ten Commandments kind of summarize the Old Testament law, the things that God expects of his people. And uh, he said, here's the reason I gave you these. They're for your good. It's for your good that you do not kill, you do not steal, you do not commit adultery. But if you violate those things, very difficult things can happen in your life and experience. So we as believers have come to understand that our well-being, our doing well, is vitally connected to how much we want to obey God and how much we want to work out His will and, and His Word in our lives and experience. You see why this subject is, pardon me, is very important. Now let's go over to the Numbers chapter 6. Let's go over to number 6, 22 to 27, the passage which was read well for us this morning. I, I really wish John would have sang it, uh, sung it, rather, whatever the English word is. Numbers 6, 22 to 27. I, I want to just look at the heart of it. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Now, our title for our consideration is that we have been blessed as believers. And here is a passage of Scripture. Here is a beautiful passage of Scripture where the fact that you can bless someone else is stated in how it can be done. Very important. As believers, we looked at and we started with Ephesians 1.3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. This passage talks about blessing others, but we see that God has already blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You know, there, there's no comparison between having a whole lot of money and having the spiritual blessings of Christ. We would not trade our faith in Christ for anything, for no amount of money. Okay? Now, you got to admit that um, as you look at the wealth of the world, um, it looks great to some people. I mean, the wealth of the world is something to think of. Let me, let me tell you why I'm saying this. Um, some of the wealthiest people in the world, you've heard of their names. But think about how wealthy they are. Uh, Robert Walton is the chairman of Walmart. He's 73 years of age, and his net worth is $46 billion. 
Next time you go in Walmart, you're helping the guy out. Just kidding. <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg, who is the co-founder and chairman of Facebook, he's 33 years of age, and his network, $71 billion. Bill Gates, co-founder of Microsoft, He's only 62 years of age. His net worth worth $90 billion. These people have some money, don't they? A whole lot. But I'll tell you what. I'm as serious as I can be. We who know Jesus Christ has learned we're far richer than they are if they do not know Christ. We have the riches in Jesus Christ. And um, wow, there's no comparison of what God has done for us in relationship to the material things which they might have. It's, it's interesting, when you read the Old Testament, you see the Lord often promised the people of Israel material blessings. He would bless their crops, he would bless their, uh, uh, their work and the labor of their hands. However, when we look in the New Testament, we see that God promises us spiritual blessings. He has promised to give us every spiritual blessing that there is in Christ. Now, that says a lot of things. But one of the things it says is, listen, between now, today, this Sunday, and when you're in heaven, the Lord's going to take care of you. He will take care of you. He really will. And sometimes, you know, we get thinking, oh, man, you know, some needs come along and even relationship needs. And we say, oh, Lord, how am I ever going to work through this? Believe me, the word of God says, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and in glory by Christ Jesus. And by the way, it doesn't say um, it doesn't say out of his riches, it says according to his riches and how wealthy is God. <laughs> what an awesome God we have. Beautiful, beautiful verse which you never want to forget is Philippians 4.19. Repeating it, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. What an awesome God we have. He's promised to bless us spiritually. And that Ephesians 1.3 passage says, He has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Now, um, this is really interesting. Because as believers, you see, the point is, we are in two spheres. We're here on the earth, but because we're in Christ, we are seated with Christ in the heavenlies. You say, hey, can you show me that verse, please, in the Bible? And that would be Ephesians 2.6, if you want to take a look at it and see where you're at this morning. You say, I know where I'm at. I'm sitting here in church. Well, you have another location as well. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6 says, And he has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. That should be pretty encouraging to us. So you and I as believers, we're related to Christ. He indwells us. We are in union with him. Where is Christ today? Well, you say he's omnipresent. He's present everywhere. That's true. But God has raised us from spiritual death, placed us in Christ, and Christ today is at the right hand of the Father in heaven, and he's in heavenly places. So we are people who think a lot about heaven, and you say, well, you know, we have to think about the earth. That's true. But we're 
heavenly minded because the apostle told us in Colossians, seek those things which are above. Be thinking about your heavenly position. You are united to the one who is sitting at the right hand of the Father in heaven. Someone said it this way, the Christian's life is uh, centered in heaven. His citizenship is in heaven. His name is written in heaven. And the Lord says to us in Colossians 3.1, set your affection on things above and not on things of the earth. So, you know, you say, well, how am I going to apply that verse? I'm going to apply that verse by saying, Lord, help me to think a lot, perhaps a lot more about the fact that I'm united to you that you died and were buried and rose again and ascended to the Father in heaven, and I died with you, Romans 6. I died to an old life. I was united to you, and now I'm actually seated with Christ in heavenly places. That's great truth. It's important to realize that because, you know, we do experience, as believers, we do experience um, spiritual warfare. Every once in a while, somebody in church fellowship will, will call or say, Pastor, remember me in prayer. I feel like the devil's on my back. And You've said it, some of you. Um, that's not a good position to be in, to feel that you're really being slammed, tempted by the devil in a very difficult situation. What do we do in a situation like that? Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Say no to temptation. Resist the devil. And what happens? He will flee. That's something to think about. You talk about the power of prayer. Let's go over that again. Submit yourselves to God. You're in time of need and you feel you're really being tempted to do something you don't want to do. You're really tempted. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Say no to temptation and he will. Wow. Awesome power in prayer. Awesome. Very much so. Very awesome. Okay, the point again is that God has blessed us tremendously in Christ. We're joined to Christ. We're seated with Christ in heavenly places. He blesses us tremendously. Now we in turn can bless others. Let's go back again. I realize we're turning back and forth. Let's go back to Numbers chapter 6. Let's look at this passage. And then we're going to look at the other one. Numbers chapter 6. And look at this very beautiful blessing. Numbers chapter 6, picking it up at 22 where we read this morning. And the Lord said to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron, Aaron was the high priest at that time, and his sons, these were the ones who were responsible for the spiritual leadership within the nation of Israel. Speak to Aaron and his sons. This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Here's how you're going to bring blessing to the people of Israel. And how many were there at that time? I don't know, two million perhaps? Um, this is how you're going to bring blessing to them. Now you'll notice the text says, say to them. Did you see that? Okay. Say to them. There it is. When you talk to someone you love and you care for and you say, the Lord bless you, and if you really mean it, what's God going to do? He's going to do some things in their life. You say, well, what if they're out of fellowship with the Lord? And what if they're... That's not the issue. The issue is your concern 
for somebody else and your relationship to God. And so you say, may the Lord bless you. And it's amazing how God will use your spiritual concern. It really is. Well, let's look at it. Well, a blessing, of course, is, is um, a way of asking God's favor to come upon someone else. Now, there's five parts to this. Just going to look at them. You'll notice it says, the Lord bless you and keep you. You're asking God to protect the person you love. Remember, we live in a world where there's spiritual warfare. There are things that we can see. They're human beings. We're here on earth. But there's also demonic forces. And so you're saying, Lord, bless them and keep them. That's the King James translation. Some other translations translate it, protect them. Very important. Don't underestimate your prayers. Your children go off to school. You can't be there with them. So what do you do? You pray for them. Bless my child today. Bless them in the classroom. Help them, Lord, to listen carefully. Help them, Lord, to learn. Protect them. Uh, you don't know who's in, in, around them. You, you, you really don't know. But you can know this. That when you ask God to put a hedge of protection around your children, he is going to do it. Job prayed that way for his children, didn't he? God protected him. You say, oh, I know the story of Job and all the things that happened. God, he prayed for his children every day. Secondly, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. That is, may the Lord be pleased with what my friend, my child does. Lord, help them to do the things that really please you. Help them to stay away from frivolity. Help them to do things that are really going to be pleasing to you. That's the second one. Third one. The Lord be gracious unto you. Gracious. We know what grace is. Grace is undeserved favor. Lord, they may not yet be all that you want them to be. Hey, we're not either. But Lord, would you show your favor to them? That's the idea. Would you be merciful and compassionate upon them when it says be gracious? And then the Lord lift up his countenance upon you. Once again, the idea is, Lord, would you be pleased to show your favor to them, help them in the area of their spiritual lives, help them in the area of the things that are very important before you. That's the fourth one. And the fifth one, John paused on this this morning when he read, and may the Lord give you peace. We're going to talk about this a little bit in just a moment. We really do need peace. We're living in a world of strife. We're let, the political tensions in our country today are awful. Uh, we're living in a world of strife. And by the way, we started by talking about cursing. There's a group of witches who are already, already met together and pronounced a curse upon the president of our country. May not agree with all that he does, but certainly shouldn't be putting a curse upon him. But you see the contrast? Do you see the contrast between someone who knows God and wants blessing and favor upon people he or she loves to those who want to curse and damage and harm others? The contrast is huge, and it's growing in our country today. So in a sense, when you ask the Lord to bless others, there is a sense in which you're wanting these five things to be the part and experience of the one you prayed for. 
Now, I realize that some of you do not have a New King James Version. Okay, and I'll pray for your conversion. <laughs> you know, I'm just joking on that. I, I agree with Dr. Kroll. Dr. Woodrow Kroll used to be on Back to the Bible. He said, I'll tell you what translation I like. Whatever one you want to use and read, that's the one I like. <laughs> so um, would you read it with me in your translation? Read with me, please, 24, 25, and 26. Nice and slow. If your word's a little different, let's not worry about it. Here we go. 24. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. All right, let's go over to the Hebrews 13 just quickly. Hebrews chapter 13. This is another benediction, uh, which is very, very beautiful. This was read for us not too many weeks ago. Hebrews chapter 13, and it's verses 20 and 21. I would like to say this. My home church was called St. Paul's Evangelical Lutheran Church in Camden, New Jersey. And uh, that's where I came to faith in Christ. My mom and dad came to faith in Christ in that ministry. And Dr. Bauer was in there for 35 years uh, ministering the Word of God, uh, Lutheran pastor, self-studied in the Word of God. He had gone to a Lutheran seminary. But it's when he really started studying the Word of God that all his teaching began to grow. And people would come from all over the community carrying their Bibles. In fact, that one newspaper said, uh, that's the church, 36 and Federal Streets. Hi. That's the church at 36 and Federal Streets where people walk in carrying their Bibles. Now, I realize today you can have a Bible on your phone. And I realize when you're sitting out there, you're not watching something else. You're reading the Bible. <laughs> but Dr. Bauer used to end every service, and he would say, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you, give you peace. Then some Sundays he would say, Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling, to present you faultless before his presence with exceeding joy, our only wise God and Savior. To him be glory, majesty, both now and forever. Amen. And it was a wonderful thing. I, I, I never forgot it. Uh, we started attending there when I was about five years of age. I never forgot. Pastor Bauer would always pronounce a blessing upon us at the very end of the service. What an awesome man of God he was. It begins by saying, And may the God of peace... The God that we worship is a God who wants us to be able to have peace of mind and heart. You and I know we're living in a world of strife and division. And how wonderful it is that we can um, meet together as brothers and sisters in Christ and know that we love one another in the family of God and we, we worship Him together. And yes, everybody has trials that come along. You, you, you know, Monday through Saturday, we all have things that come into our lives. But it's amazing that the Lord can give us peace in the midst of the difficult things that cross our pathway during the week. Um, the two things, again, that the Lord uses to bring peace to our minds and hearts are His Word and prayer. 
Listen to this reference. It's Psalm 119, verse 165. Great peace have they who love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble. Now, wait a minute. You'll notice it says great peace, not just a little bit of peace. Great peace are they who love your law. You know, uh, when, when difficulties come along, when trials come into your life and experience, get your Bible open. Find some verses. Call somebody else up who knows Christ and say, you know, is there a verse of Scripture that can encourage me? Because this has happened in my life and experience. Great peace have those who love your law. And uh, I'm sure uh, many of you would say there have been times when things have come into my life and experience, and I don't know why these things came along. I'm not sure why, but I do know that I opened the Word of God, and I looked, and the Lord said things like, I will never leave you nor forsake you. In fact, things like, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Yes, the word of God, great peace have they who love your law, and prayer. Don't be anxious. Easy to say. Boy, we all agree with that this morning at this time. But boy, when things come along during the week, Lord, I know you told me not to be anxious about something that was said, something that was promised would happen. Help me, Lord, not to be anxious. I submit myself to you as my God and my Savior and my Sustainer. May the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, here's the beautiful thing about this benediction. If God has the power to raise Jesus Christ from the dead, then he has the power to take care of you and me who are still on the journey to get up there to glory. He can take care of us. And that's the point of this beautiful, beautiful benediction. Only the believer in Jesus Christ, only in Christianity, Do we have a God who loved us so much that he sent his son to suffer and die on the cross and there pay for my sins? He paid for them. So I don't have to pay for them. He paid for them. And then God raised them from the dead to verify and to prove the fact that his sacrifice was all sufficient. And that's why he says, who raised him from the dead... The, the resurrection is at the heart of our faith. And then he calls him that great shepherd of the sheep. <laughs> the reminder there is sheep need a shepherd. We're not going to go into the fact that I, I said a couple weeks ago, I'm not going to use that word that's used to sheep, but I'm going to use it this morning. Sheep are dumb. <laughs> and they need a shepherd. <laughs> okay? So the benediction says, you know, your God is your shepherd. Your Savior is your shepherd. And he's watching over you even today. When you drive away from church, when you get home this afternoon, when you get into this week's activities, he's going to shepherd you. He's going to take care of you. And that's the point of this benediction. A reference to the fact that Jesus Christ, who died and paid for our sins, is going to take care of you. 
Through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Through the blood of the everlasting covenant. That's the new covenant. The old covenant, the Mosaic law. The new covenant, well, there's two things that are essential in the new covenant. And by the way, every time you take communion, you celebrate that new covenant, that new promise that God has given to us. You celebrate it. Jesus said, Matthew 26, This is my blood of the covenant which is shed or poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Every time you take communion, you're reminding yourself of that new covenant with God. And there's two basic aspects to it. And one is forgiveness of your sins. And the other one is that God does a work in your heart. And that work in your heart is, again, that he allows his law or his word to get upon your mind and upon your heart. I I remember a new Christian not too many years ago, uh, John. His name was John. And he said, you know what's amazing about the Christian life? He said, I keep reading my Bible. And he says, I keep remembering what it says. (laughs) I said, John, that's the way it's supposed to do. That's a part of the new covenant. Doesn't God... Don't you have verses on your heart today, in, in your mind? It's awesome. The two major parts of the uh, new covenant, you see, according to the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight. You see where it says make you complete? Did you see that little phrase? That's beautiful. Make you complete in every good work to do his will. Now, the King James text used to say, make you perfect. It's saying a lot, isn't it? We say, well, you know, I'm not going to be perfect between now and when I get to heaven. But there's a sense in which God's going to go continue to work in your life to get you to be the person he wants you to be. You're getting closer and closer to glory. You're getting closer and closer to being like the Lord Jesus Christ. Make you complete in every good work to do his will. Oh, what a, what a benediction. How we need to pray for one another in relationship to this. Make you complete in every good work, <clears throat> pardon me, to do his will. What, what does that tell us? God's still working with you. God's still working in your life and experience. <coughs> Pardon me. Don't ever allow uh, negative things to affect your thinking and say, well, you know, God's blessed me today. I'm saved and now I know Jesus and I don't know how bad it's going to be up here. No, don't be thinking that way. Make you complete in every good work to do his will. When you allow that benediction to be upon your life, you're saying, Lord, I want you to keep completing what's needed in my life. There's an old children's song that we used to sing years ago. And I'm going to spare you. I'm not going to sing it. He's still working on me, making me to be what he wants me to be. He's still working on me. And he is all of us. He really is. We haven't arrived. None of us have arrived. The Lord's still working on us. He's working in our lives. Here's the big idea. We'll look at it. We'll close in prayer. Big idea. If God could raise his son Jesus from the dead, he's able to equip us to be the people he wants us to be from now until we're in glory with him. Make you perfect, complete in every way 
to do his will. Let's read it again together. Uh, whatever translation you have. Hebrews chapter 13 verses 20 and 21. Nice and slow. Let it, let it speak and minister to your heart. And this is God's request for your life. Reading 20 and 21. Reading. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ our Lord, glory forever and ever. Let's pray together.